Iowa took a lot of jabs across the nation from fans and media, but when it came right down to it, uh, a lot of respect from people that know football. Just check out uh, the All-American team released by the AP and other organizations. Welcome to Hawkeyes Live right here at the Voice of College Football. Appreciate you stopping by. We will take your comments and questions. Uh, consider a super chat, or you can hit us up at Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App if you would like to contribute. Hit the like button on your way in and settle in for the next 60 or so. Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm. That is the place to be for Iowa football, basketball coverage on a regular basis. Corey, how are you doing tonight? I am doing just fine, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. I say tonight realizing that it's 4.30 there for one thing, but just middle of the winter, it's pitch black here at this point, so it just feels like it might as well be midnight. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. Uh, I, I've i had the habit of lately of kind of uh, sleeping in because I end up working later, or have op- other obligations that I care for later in the day, later in the evening, and your days are just incredibly short when you do that. So I don't like it either, but this is uh, December. We're almost going to start counting the days the other way, right? Once December 21st, is that usually yeah. the date? So, and we got the 20th, as you mentioned. Is, is it the 20th now? Now I'm already forgetting. You said two weeks. It's Isn't it less than two weeks? What day is signing day? Uh, signing day is on the 20th. Yeah, so it's it's next week. Yes, I was say it's eight We're days, eight days away. away. <laughs> so, wow. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's always a big day for my show. I know it's a big day for you with with the sport you cover. So um, we'll look forward to that. And it, at least I'll be you know that'll be something positive to talk about. I mean, there's so much craziness with the portal right now, and I I, I have so much disdain for so much of what's going on. But it's always fun. I I, I find it fun, especially you know, covering a specific team. I know you're kind of all over the place, but covering a specific team, it's just really cool to see these young uh, young men that are going to sign and, and you know, one of the bigger moments, one of the bigger days of their young lives. So that's always fun to witness. Yeah, you are definitely more connected uh, in that way. And I enjoy, and I know a lot of the, the folks that watch us on a regular basis here on Tuesday enjoy uh, the interviews that you are able to uh, present to everyone on a regular basis of uh, student athletes that have just signed and then tracking them through their careers. I'm, I'm sure you've in time been able to rack up a number of interviews with guys that, of course, at that point in time, not knowing how it's going to turn out, regardless of where they're ranked or what the projection is supposed to be, but do a few names come to mind in regards to, okay, I interviewed him when he was a senior in high school and look how it's turned out. Uh, well, Aaron Graves comes to mind. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. you know, he's not achieved his dream of playing in the NFL, but next year he's going to have a real shot to be a star. And I would think that, you know, he played a lot better, I think, as the year went on this year, but I still think he's got some untapped potential. Uh, now we know Noah Shannon is moving on. Last year at this point, we thought there was a chance he would come back. He ended up coming back, got suspended, never played. Um, it does sound like YA Black. I know our, our guy, Elliot Clough, I think reported this first, I think, um, that YA Black is planning on coming back. He has not made that official. But um, with the news that Ontario Thompson was leaving, entering the transfer portal, which took me by surprise, uh, he's a guy that I've had several conversations with and uh, have enjoyed interactions with. Uh, that would tell me that it's going to be YA Black and Aaron Graves and then probably a battle for, I mean, Jeremiah Pittman's probably, assuming he sticks around, he'll be your your third interior guy. But Logan Lee's also moving on. And so uh, that's why I was so surprised that Ontario Thompson decided to leave. But guys want to start, guys want to be stars. And, you know, kudos to Ontario Thompson. He's got a lot of confidence. I mean, that kid just reeks of confidence when you talk to him. And I really liked his story, but he'll have to, to uh, continue to write the rest of that story somewhere else. And I will, we'll have to figure out who can kind of come in and fill the gap. Maybe it's a Brian Allen jr. Who flashed, uh, I believe was that last spring or was that, I think that was in the fall during the open, uh, open fall scrimmage uh, at kids day when Brian Allen jr. Flashed, but there'll be some guys with some opportunity up front. And I know everyone wants to have us, go after the transfer portal, National Signing Day, but especially this portal. It's going crazy. 
And there's a lot of speculation out there with every team. And we will. We definitely will. I do think that they're, uh, that, that we should recognize these All-American selections from Iowa. It, it's quite impressive to have four selected, regardless of your service, whether that's the AP, the Football Writers Association. There's a number of um, selections that are out there. But they've pretty consistently been the three or four, so we'll focus on the AP. I believe that included Cooper DeGene on the first team, Tory Taylor on the first team. Jay Higgins, I believe, was a first team. Football Writers Association may have been on the second team at linebacker. And then Sebastian Castro, which I was pleased to see that selection in particular, and also Jay Higgins, because I made this comment to our guy Elliot Clough uh, during the Big Ten Live show last night that I think in football, I think it's a byproduct of the limited number of games that are played, that there's a lot of reputation selections made. Because let's say if some guys consider the a, a top offensive tackle, especially since there are no stats accumulated there, that for that reputation to be diminished to the point where that particular player is left off in a of a all conference or all American team there, there has to be some, some pretty significant evidence or for somebody to play themselves into that position. And as soon as I saw Jay Higgins listed, I thought back to the conversation that we had after big 10 media days, uh, or it may have been after the selection was known of who Kirk was taking to big 10 media days and you making the comment, this says a lot for Jay Higgins if Kirk's taking him to Big Ten Media Days that he's expecting a big season. Yeah, and a guy who had never started and was stuck behind Seth Benson and Jack Campbell. And there's an example of it sometimes pays off to be patient, to be patient. And uh, that's not criticizing anybody that enters the portal and looks for greener pastures. I do think it's very unfortunate, I'll say this, because we love in the media, and I, I've kind of gotten tired of it, just covering Iowa and having to see it all. Uh, and it's my fault for following these different people on social media, but these writers that are just obsessed right now at the portal, and I get it, it's it's the business right now in, in early December. But the fact of the matter is, there are well over a 1,000, probably now 1,500 athletes that have entered the portal from D1 programs that... I would say, a pri I'm just throwing this out there, spitballing, I'm guessing at least half of those individuals, probably more, probably closer to two-thirds of those individuals, will probably not be any happier where they go than where they are now. That's the unfortunate thing. Regardless of if they're playing, like some of these guys have been playing. That's the other thing we got to remember. Some of these guys that are leaving were playing somewhere. We're starters. You think about Justin Jacobs a year ago at Iowa. He goes out to Oregon. I haven't had any conversations with Justin Jacobs. Maybe he got paid a bag. That was a rumor that was out there. But, you know, he kind of came on late in the season. I checked his stats this morning, actually. He played quite a bit for for Oregon. I think he had eight tackles against Washington in their last game. So he, you know, I think he was dealing with injuries early on. But the fact of the matter is, like, did he improve his draft stock substantially going to Eugene? Probably not. Not based on numbers. Um, I think he's got another year if he wants it. I don't know what he plans on doing. But he's an example of someone I'd love to ask, you know, in a perfectly objective, honest conversation, was it worth it? Well, you know, was it worth uprooting and, and going out and trying something different? And for some people, they'd say, yes, I needed a change and I loved it. But I think there are, I think it is true, the old mantra that it's not always greener on the other side. I think that's true with a lot of athletes. And you know, a lot of these people, a lot of these kids, they are, I know they're technically adults, but they're young, young adults, right? They're 18 to 22 year olds, in some case, 23 year olds that are making a big decision that I don't know if they always realize how it will impact their future, frankly. I know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of envy from fans that see these kids getting, you know, six figures, even seven figures in some cases, but um, things happen. And, and uh, I just don't know that many of these athletes know the implication of doing what they're doing. And they, man, it just seems like everything is so fickle and, you know, it's just like one day they're here, one day they're gone, and no big deal. And long, like this guy's entered the portal, and he's already cleaned out his locker room. He's just done. He's already signed his papers. He's moved on. It's just, it's such a crazy world. It didn't used to be how it was in college athletics, but uh, 
anyways, and I saw some, I thought Thor in the chat asking me about transfer portal news. I got no news for Iowa. Um, I had Brad Heinrichs of the Iowa Swarm on last week, NIL, CEO of Iowa's NIL, um, their main collective. And, you know, he kind of talked about it, indicated that it would probably be, it will probably be a quieter year in the portal. Um, and that's probably good news because that's an indication that they plan on getting a lot of guys back. One name that was thrown out there that took me by surprise was Nick Jackson, the Virginia linebacker. And I published the clip from that show uh, earlier today. If you want to check it out, it's over on my channel from the Hawkeye of the Storm on YouTube. But basically what Brad said is consistent with what the rumors have been regarding Nick. And I had just attributed those to just being rumors. But I think Brad's a pretty reliable source on this. Iowa has uh, filed for paperwork to request an extra year of eligibility for Nick Jackson. Now he would still have to want to come back. Like uh, it sounds like what I was doing is they're trying to get it in place so that he can make that decision. And it's his decision to make. It sounds like some Virginia, what Brad said is that some of his old teammates from Virginia have already announced they're returning to school, expecting that the NCAA would give them an extra year. And if you don't know why we're talking about an extra year, Virginia had their season cut short last year. Yes. Only by two regular season games, but then you add in a bowl game. That's three games. You know, you got an extra year back for COVID when you lost, you know, teams lost anywhere from, you know, four to six or more games. Um, I, again, different circumstances, I understand. But the, the circumstances around the Virginia season being cutting cut short were extremely tragic. And um, it would be great for Iowa if they could get Nick Jackson back. And what it's, I got some indication today, and this isn't any, this is more just a hunch, but somebody who's well-connected to the situation told me um they would not be surprised if Iowa either gets both back or neither back. Uh, in other words, Nick Jackson and Jay Higgins are really close. And is Jay Higgins going to improve his stock coming back? I mean, he had a phenomenal year. You know, he may not be, he's not Jack Campbell from a physical standpoint to impress scouts, but he had as productive a year as you could expect. He's been here a while. He probably is not going to improve his stock anymore coming back next year. Now, maybe, you know, the swarm and some NIL incentives can convince him. But, I, you know, he's he's uh, roommates with Nick Jackson, and Nick Jackson has loved it at Iowa. I would say if one of those guys decides to come back, the other probably does. That's kind of the indication I was given today, but we'll see. Um, a lot of these we're probably not going to hear final word until after the bowl game. Hawkeyes Live, folks. Uh, we entertain your comments and questions. We also appreciate uh, thumbs up and uh, a contribution if uh, you so choose. Catch Corey's work at From the Hawkeye of the Storm. And again, that interview with Brad Heinrichs that's being released in various segments. So you can enjoy that uh, piece by piece throughout the week. We, we, we hit on this question when you jumped online with us during the Big Ten Live show on Monday in regards to a transfer quarterback. And you just believe, and I think Elliot's right there as well, although he was closer to a 50-50 proposition of them possibly going out and signing a transfer quarterback. I just think they're in a situation where Cade McNamara is the starter. And even if you're pleased and satisfied with what he would most likely bring, which our best sample of that is the 2021 season with Michigan, really good quarterback play. Not exceptional, not top of the line, but certainly for what Iowa wants to do on offense. And not indicative of what he would do with an Iowa offense, even healthy. I know he was not healthy when he played this year, but we don't know what he'd do with Iowa's system players. We don't know what the system is going to be exactly with the new OC. But considering his, first of all, I think it would be good for him to have to fight for the job myself. I don't think he's at that level. But that's fine if you do make that determination that you're great with him as the starting quarterback. Just with the injuries that he has faced over the last two years, the odds of him making it through a full season. Okay, if he doesn't make it through a full season, sure, with an exceptional defense and special teams, they are going to win games with, let's say, Deacon Hill at quarterback, but still placing yourself one play away from having arguably the worst quarterback play in the conference with a much more difficult road to travel with the schedule next season. 
I just don't know why they wouldn't go for a transfer quarterback myself. Well, personally, I, I think, um, you know, they grabbed Deacon Hill in the portal and that was kind of a last ditch thing because they lost Carson May after the bowl game last year. And, you know, that probably could have been averted. And I won't get into that. I've talked about it at length, but, um, I think maybe the reason I stand where I stand on this, Mark, is not in disagreement with what you said about Cade McNamara, but it's more so I think I'm just a little higher on Marco Linez. Now, I will acknowledge this. I don't, and I've said this publicly, and I'm not ashamed to say it. As of right now, until we get an announcement about who the next OC slash quarterbacks coach is, I don't have any faith in Iowa's ability to evaluate quarterback play. Why should I? Why should I have any faith in their ability to develop or evaluate quarterback play? Look at what kind of quarterback play we've had since 2020, four seasons now. We've had three years of Spencer Petras and basically a year of Deacon Hill. I'm not going to put this on Cade McNamara because, again, he was hurt. Part of that is the offense. I get it. Part of it's play calling. Part of it's what you got around you. But quarterback play has been abysmal, to say the least. So I don't like even if you have Marco Linez or, frankly, anybody from the portal I don't know how Iowa will use them. Would I be shocked if Cade McNamara comes back healthy next year and you know his numbers look very similar to what we got from Mark from uh, Deacon Hill last half of the season? I would be surprised from a standpoint of I don't know how it can get any worse, especially when you're switching coordinators. Um, now, if Brian was coming back, I might say, hey, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, frankly, Cade's numbers didn't look good at all during the first four games when he was uh, banged up. Uh, first four games of the year, a couple of those games were against very beatable opponents. Western Michigan, I think he threw two or three picks in that game. So I think I just have a little bit more confidence in Marco Lenez. I'm not convinced that they'll use him effectively or evaluate him effectively or even develop him to where he needs to be a year from now effectively. And I even said to Brad, and I, Brad agreed, this is his comment from a fan. He said, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see Marco Lenez as well in the bowl game. And I've been talking, we've been, you know, Coach Patterson and I have been talking about that for months. Like, Give him a package. You don't got to switch starters, but give him a package. For Pete's sake, a year ago, you played Kentucky and you won 21-0. And you got to give Iowa credit because their main objective in that game was to win the game. The problem is, and I don't think Kirk sees things this way, the problem is Kirk looks at these postseason games as an opportunity for another win on the schedule and a trophy. I really do believe that's how he looks at it. And, and that is true. That That is one way to look at it. But the, the scene of this bowl world is changing, has changed. And would it, is that fair to continue to just look, in that, look at it through that, that lens? Or is it fair to look at a game like this coming up against Tennessee in which they're going to already have, Tennessee's already announced they got several players not playing. So some of their better players not playing. Perhaps it's an opportunity in the Citrus Bowl, a place I was been, they were there two years ago, to maybe use it as a mini tryout for next spring. And what I mean by that is play some of the younger guys. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be every freshman on the roster, but play Marco Linez. Maybe you get Ben Keeter some some run. None of these guys, I mean, Marco has not played a snap this year. So most of these freshmen you can play, and it's not going to affect their eligibility in any way. So I don't know why you wouldn't play Marco Linez, but if the, main, if the only objective is do anything we can to win the game, what we're going to see on... January 1st, most likely, Mark, is another game similar to what we saw last year against Kentucky. Now, I think Tennessee's a better team this year than Kentucky was a year ago. But my point is, I was going to give Deacon Hill very little rope to hang himself with and cash in on any mistakes that we get, that Iowa gets from Tennessee. And they'll be fine with a 14 to 10 win or a 14 to 4 win or <laughs> whatever it is. I mean, they'll get, they'll get there. So um, that would be my two cents on the game i'd like to see some run it didn't make any sense last year why we didn't get to see marco Lennett, or excuse me uh, carson may and i know there was talk about him kind of already having made his decision about entering the portal prior to the game but what harm would it have done had you put carson may out there instead of maybe running sam laporta as a wildcat quarterback which is what iowa did to be cute maybe actually give another quarterback some run uh, alex padilla for if people forget Alex Padilla was already in the portal at that point. Spencer Petrus was hurt at that point. There was only one other quarterback, scholarship quarterback on the roster. His name was Carson May. He did not see a single snap in that game. And Joe Labus had not seen a single snap before that game. So the fact that Carson May didn't get a single snap in that game made zero sense to me. 
I am searching for Tennessee opt-outs for the bowl game because I'm sure I will be familiar with these players. Uh, regardless, I, I've not been able to come up with them. Yeah, Tennessee 2023, Kentucky 2022. Yeah, it's they're the same team pretty much. You think so? You think this yeah. Tennessee team will think, first of all, you got to remember this Kentucky team a year ago, they were down their best running back and a really good quarterback. Oh, absolutely. I'm not talking about after opt-outs. I don't know who's opted out for Tennessee. I'm just talking about the quality of the teams during the season. Yeah, is nobody the same. They have not lost their quarterback. They have not lost their t- top tailback. They've lost, uh, I'm going to find it here, but they've lost a defensive back. Let me find the information here. While you're looking for that, I'm looking at a betting line that opened at 7.5, went to 8.5 is down to seven and a half in favor of Tennessee, which first of all, I was surprised that Tennessee was that large of a favorite. Number two, it's funny to see the Iowa impact on the betting line, even against a Tennessee team that actually um, featured a better defense this year and a lesser offense than Josh Heupel's first two teams that were just prolific, explosive, top three offenses in the country. But 36 and a half, I bet Tennessee hasn't had an over-under total under 50 this year. That's kind of an indication that they think I was going to control this game, right? Sounds like it, but they've got Tennessee as a touchdown plus favorite. Yeah, that's odd. Uh, I find that odd, but uh, real quick, uh, I just found it here. So defensive end Tyler Barron, he is in the portal, so okay. he is not, not going to be playing. And then uh, Danico Slaughter, um, DB, had 32 tackles, pass breakup. He is also in the portal. So no opt-outs that I'm seeing here, but okay. those two guys, you know, they're in the portal. I'm assuming they're not playing. All right, so not much significant. Those guys were, like, decent. But Iowa has... slash role players. But yeah, Iowa, has not had, yeah. Iowa has not had any opt-outs. I mean, not any significant opt-out. Like, again, I'm assuming... Safe to say that Ontario Thompson will not be with the team. Joe Labus is no longer with the team. Brandon Diaz Fernandez is not with the team. Jackson Filer is not with the team. Am I missing somebody? I think I am missing somebody. Oh, Deontay Vines would be the one you could argue significant opt out, but you could also say he lost his job to uh, to uh, Caleb Brown as the year went on. The other reason I make the statement that I do about pursuing a quarterback is. And then you countered with the development issue or the question of the confidence in developing a quarterback. And I totally get that. However, we have more quality starting quarterbacks in the transfer portal than we have ever seen in the transfer portal. I could make a selection sitting here a thousand miles away and make a selection of a quarterback. And even if you took the top 15 off the board, I could still select a quarterback out there that would compete with Kate McNamara for the job. This is every year though. Every year it's going to be this way. Is that fair to say? It's been this way. This is year three. It's been a uh, zoo as it relates to quarterbacks. Now, did you get the news right before we went on the air? I didn't mention it to you, but I just got an alert that uh, Wisconsin did land a commitment out of Tyler Van Dyke. Whoa, to Wisconsin. He was visiting, I think, earlier this week, over the weekend, I think. So um, now is Mordecai out of eligibility? I didn't think so. Maybe he was a, no, he only had two, he had two starting seasons at SMU. So there there you go. That might be an example of Wisconsin's bringing in a guy to compete. But it's hard to, I would think it's hard to sell to someone, especially if it's the Iowa offense, like you're going to come here and you're not guaranteed the job. Now, something that Elliot said yesterday that I didn't agree with, and I love Elliot, but he made the comment about how Cade seems to be the type of guy that needs to know he's the starter. I don't think that's a good thing. I mean, like I, I'm not saying that Iowa ever said you are the starter, but like that's you don't want that. Like he should believe he's the best guy and he should yeah. believe he's going to win the starting job, but. That to me, I didn't. I just didn't like. Maybe he kind of misrepresented what he was trying to say. But uh, yeah, Tyler Van Dyke to Wisconsin, and I'm trying to think of who else, 
who else? Uh, the Big Ten, you know, sounds like Kyle McCord might be headed to Nebraska. We'll wait and see on that. I know there are no, no divisions, but I'm just thinking about teams from the Big Ten West this year that will be upgrading at that all important position. Hudson Card is back next year at uh, Purdue, and um, Athian Calic Manis is he? He's gone, right? He entered yes. the portal. So where is Minnesota with their quarterback? Yeah, do they, do they have one. <laughs> So they're going to be PJ Fleck has not had a good five or six months between off the field allegations, which I don't know what's going on with that. And then the worst season that they've had uh, under his direction. And now he loses his starting quarterback who had no competition that I know of why he would lose his starting quarterback back to Tyler Van Dyke. If anyone's interested in a quick thumbnail, you would have watched this guy play the eight games that he played in 2021. He was ticketed to be like a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He just tore through eight weeks against pretty quality defenses, like 350 a week, three or four touchdowns every week. And then Red Lashley left. Josh Gaddis took over the offense. And he was a mess last year, got hurt. Poor offensive line play, poor wide receiver play, didn't help. And then this year, he got off to a great start. If you put in the Texas A&M tape, he looks like, again, he's ready to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He was throwing lasers, NFL window kind of throws. And then the next five or six weeks, he falls apart. He had a stretch of 11 turnovers in four games. He misses a lot of reads gets fooled DBs, you know, fool him all the time, bait him into interceptions. So he's got a lot of talent. He's got the arm talent to play at the next level, no doubt, but uh, they are going to have to correct his reading defense ability there. And real quick, since Washington and Oregon and these teams are joining the big 10 next year, is Michael Penix gone? Yeah, he'll be gone. Okay, so he's headed late. And was it his backup that started in 21? He is under the portal, I saw. Dylan Morris? Yes. So who is their quarterback next year? Uh, I believe they have already, they have either signed or it's kind of like a Dylan Rayola situation where it seems to be all but guaranteed uh, that they are getting Will Rogers from Mississippi State. Did see that. I did see that. I don't know about that one. What do you think about that replacement so, for Penix? Yeah, he's not Michael Penix. No. But Will Rogers, especially him playing another season in a that's at least going to be a good offense under Kalen DeBoer, if you would just put in like average statistical figures for this next season for Will Rogers, he's going to be one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of college football because he played under Mike Leach right. in that air raid and he was throwing 65 passes and yeah. his numbers are crazy good, but it's totally he's more of a system quarterback. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. And uh, USC, I mean, they're going to have somebody obviously to replace oh, yeah. Caleb Williams. Who's who's next guy in the docket. Do we know? Uh, his backup is Miller Moss, who was highly recruited player. Most USC fans don't want to see him. They want them to go out and get. Go buy uh, somebody. Top guy. What's that? <laughs> go buy somebody. <laughs> yes. Go buy somebody. That's yeah. like uh, if I may go to the Ohio State situation real quick. You talk to your typical Ohio State fan. They just feel we have to go get one of the top quarterbacks in the market but they're going to have three, four, and five stars. And if you don't trust your development, and if one of those three isn't ready, I just, I think uh, I think that there's a tendency just, again, like you said, the grass is always greener to see these quarterbacks that have put up numbers at other places and just automatically think, okay, we need one of those guys. I'll be interested to see how this uh, how this conference shakes out with quarterback play. A couple of years ago, it was one of the best conference, probably the best conference in America overall quarterback play. 
you might argue that that the SEC was still better, but uh, I'm thinking of the year with. Why would you assume that I would make that argument? I would assume that. Uh, ju- let's see. I'm trying to think of that year. Was it Justin Fields, Michael uh, Penix? Are you talking yeah. about like 2020? Uh, was it 21? 21 would have been CJ Stroud. Okay. Who else do we have? Uh, well, we had the Purdue kid, Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell. We had T- Talia. Yeah. We had Talia. You're not convincing me. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. It was much better than it was last year. Last year was not a good year for quarterback playing the Big Ten. It's got to get better. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll be interested to see what Iowa does in the portal, if anything. I asked Brad that question, you know, where do you think they go? And again, some of that hinges on who they lose. But, uh, you know, there's a chance Cooper DeGene comes back. I've been saying that for like the last month. And I don't know that people believe me when I said it, but now I, apparently there's been some commenting that he's made on social media posts that have kind of tickled people's ears and whatnot. Um, I, I, it sounds like there's a chance. Um, I know he does very well in the NIL uh, field. And, you know, he's a small town Iowa kid, loves being a Hawkeye. I'm sure he feels like he's got unfinished business. I know Cade and he were real close when Cade got here, kind of being the two leaders, one on defense, one on offense. And now Cade's coming back, so I'm sure he's heavily recruiting Cooper. But Cooper's got to do what's best for Cooper. I mean, he's a first-round draft pick. Can you really blame? Like, I won't blame him no. at all. Um, I think it's very risky to come back. I want him to come back, and I think he'll still make a lot of money if he comes back. But, you know, what does a, a mid-first-round draft pick get as it relates to a signing bonus? Guaranteed money right out of the draft, Mark. I used to know this, but uh, I, I don't anymore. I know I looked at C.J. Stroud's numbers just the other day because we were having that discussion with NIL being what it is. You're seeing, I think Matt Rule actually threw out the number the other day that to get a first-rate transfer quarterback out of the portal, you need to cough up one and a half to two million dollars. And then people are making taking that to the nth degree about it being more. Uh, more beneficial to stay in college. Well, that's a bit of a stretch. Now, CJ Stroud was the second pick in the draft, but he's making just under 10 million a year. Uh, I saw a ridiculous figure the other day that Ohio state might try to figure out how to cough up 20 to $25 million to keep Marvin Harrison. That, that, that figure can't be what? correct. How could what, what, you're going to pay him 20 to 25 million to yeah, stick I, around as a receiver for one imagine. year? Can't imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to look up the salary slotting. I'll tell you what, if you uh, could start making that type of money in college, then if I was a college football player, I'd just stick around forever as long as I possibly could. There'd be no reason to move on. I mean, you know, from a f- pure football perspective, I mean, there's something special about this sport. That's why you love it, and that's why I love it. Not to the NFL... NFL is still king. I get it. But yeah, if you can make that type of money and stretch your career out over three to four years, uh, have at it. Um, you know, Jay Higgins and Nick Jackson are two others that that will be following their decisions. You know, I think as far as portal needs, assuming that they have a couple of spots to fill, and we'll see if they do, depending on extra guys coming back. This is, I believe, the last year of the COVID um people so in other words people can you know some of these guys that played in 2020 part of those teams played can come back this year but we're after this it's done uh, we're past that era so i would say like if they have spots target somebody up front on offense the offensive line was better at times this year it was still was not good now rusty feth was a guy that got out of the portal last year had nothing to do with nil he came here and was was solid and got dinged up a little late but he ended up being a starter dejon parker that was a miss as of right now, it's been a miss. And I don't know. That's a, I'm just giving myself notes for later. I got to figure out if he's got eligibility left. I don't think he does now. He might, but I, I was not thinking he did. And, um, you know, great young, young guy and would have been great to mix him in at, at tackle, but he just wasn't ready. So I think if they could find somebody 
um, on the offensive line. Maybe Caden Proctor will enter the portal after the play, the uh, college ball playoff. You know, he's he went from kind of first couple of weeks. He kind of struggled for Alabama. He's the starting left tackle down there. And I saw pro football focus, which I don't really trust, but they graded him out as like the top rated tackle on the country. This like during championship week or something insane like that. <laughs> Just think about that. Uh, I, I will say that there were a few YouTube channels and other outlets that I saw make fun of Caden Proctor the first three or four games of the season. And I thought, okay, well, that's silly. You're obviously just, you know, some, you know, illegitimate type people in sites. Uh, you know, he's he's played for three weeks, four weeks. You give the guy a break. I know that he's an easy target because he's a five star and he's supposed to be all world and he struggled against some experienced players. That's going to happen. And here we are. It's the college football playoff and Alabama's in the playoff with Caden Proctor starting at left tackle. And I think they're going to beat Michigan. I do too. <laughs> I think they're going to beat Michigan. <laughs> I know people aren't going to like hearing that, but uh, they're not going to like hearing that. Um, we, we will see how it plays out. Um, I just uh, got done taping Michigan podcast this afternoon. So Steve Dace was lining up all sorts of uh, situations and X's and O's for me to, and then wanted my prediction, which I gave him a pick, even though it's not my final prediction. I just, the trust I have in that operation, <laughs> that Nick Saban process oh. is just. Think about that play, that play against Auburn. I mean, how, if, if they somehow go on to win the national championship, how big will that play be in in the history books? Not just for Alabama, but for if you look, reflect back on significant plays in college football history. I mean, you know, I, I guess I I didn't expect Alabama to get in until I'm trying to think what. Well, I didn't expect them to get in. I, I figured Florida State undefeated would get in, and we haven't really talked about that much on here. I, I do think it's a rotten shame that Florida State got left out, and I just. Man, what what else can you do when you're 13 and 0 conference champions in a Power Five league, and you're you're taken out because of your quarterback? You're basically left out because your quarterback's hurt. That, that's a discussion for another day. I know you've talked a lot about it on here, but Casey brings up Cooper maybe being used on offense, and I was told that that could be an incentive for him to come back if he's been even told, "Hey, you're, we're going to be using you here or there, and you're going to have an opportunity to shine offensively." Um, yeah, I mean. I don't know where does Shadour uh, Sanders finish, um, or not Sanders Hunter? Where did Hunter finish in the Heisman voting? Was he, he was not in the top ten. Okay, Shadour was right. Was he? I don't think so. No. Oh, okay, I thought one of those guys was. Um, but there's no question if you're playing both ways, which is hard to do, and I don't think I was going to do that full time with Cooper at any point soon. Like that would be uh, something that could certainly boost your opportunity to get in the Heisman ballot. But uh, again, I, I, that probably won't happen. Won't happen at Iowa, but I, I could see them mixing him in. He did get a couple of snaps before he went down this year. I'm searching for the voting totals for the Heisman trophy. I know JJ McCarthy finished 10th and Blake Corum finished ninth. I remember those names. Jordan Travis finished fifth. Anyway, can't find it. Is Cooper DeGene being projected as a first rounder? As far as I'm aware, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not a guy who scours. I don't look at message boards. I don't look at draft boards. I, I don't. I just don't look at those things. But I, I've been told that he's on mock draft boards and mid first round guy. There was a viewer who commented to me the other day, Mark, for being like the college football guy. There's a lot of things that you've stricken from your list that that we can't like interact with you about. We can't talk about college game day. You don't care about that. You don't care about the Heisman Trophy. There was something else. And that's not true about the Heisman Trophy. Uh, there was a day and time in which I cared about it significantly. Now, I've not watched the Heisman Trophy for 20 years. 
<laughs> don't watch it. I'm not going to say I don't care about it. There, there have been some bad, vo- and and I I think I lost respect for the Heisman Trophy process when I moved to Connecticut and started listening to New York radio. And there were two guys that did New York sports radio that, as you can imagine, talked about the Yankees every day and talked about the NFL, never talked about college football, didn't even know the the top players' names. And they both had Heisman votes and they had no idea what was going on. Yeah. There are completely clueless people voting for the Heisman Trophy. Frankly, that's the same way it is with the weekly polls, the <laughs> rankings. During it is, it's the same thing. You have these voters that have no idea what they're who they're even voting for. They literally we're, don't know anything. We are going to do a segment this off season when it's dead about we are just going to lay waste to the AP poll and the whole poll system and i want to make it clear i'm I'm not saying that those people are dumb i'm saying that they're not informed because it's not yeah. reasonable to expect them to be informed on 130 fps teams it's not and these guys are like the guys that are covering iowa they're covering iowa they're not sitting there watching i mean i don't even I, i'm not sitting there writing uh writing newspaper articles or articles for a website or you know and i don't i have a hard time watching other games and I've I've said that very publicly. That's why I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be qualified to make a top twenty five. Now, you know, if I was asked to do it, I would I would try to put more effort than I currently am in watching other games. But it's just not reasonable. And frankly, are these other coaches that are voting for the coaches poll? Are they watching all the other games? And they're not voting. <laughs> the coaches voting? aren't voting. Who's voting? Their sports information director. Oh well, there you go. They, that you know more about that than I do. I, I now I, I'm not saying that there's no coach in the country that doesn't vote, but I know from talking to sports information directors, and when I used to talk to three of them basically every day, that they basically say that they get their directions of that coach, fill in the blank coach, is going to care about a few different objectives in that poll whether they're ranked, where they're ranked, where their rivals ranked, and maybe they have some vendetta against somebody else. And so knock them down. Otherwise, fill the thing out for yeah. me. Yeah. Right. And I've I've noticed um as you look through like the AP voters and that you know that you can get the uh they actually show how each voter voted, right? Yeah. And You'll normally, what I've noticed is that you see bias with every voter, even though these are supposed to be objective reporters. Like if it's an Iowa State reporter, he's got Iowa State higher than most other voters. If it's a Mississippi State writer, he's got Mississippi State higher in the in the votes. So <laughs> in the rankings, I just think it's funny. I will say this before I address this comment on the screen that. Um... So I had ballots sent to me for the Football Writers Association for all the various trophies, the various positional trophies. I didn't, for as much as I believe I cover the sport about as well as anyone and watch as much as anyone, I believe, and try to keep track of it as best I can. I didn't even vote for any of those because I just thought, okay, if I'm going to vote for the Nagurski award, I'm going to have to, I'm going to take it seriously. I could throw out a name that would be a viable name. It would be legitimate, but wouldn't do the process justice. And so I don't have time to try to vet through five or six finalists to figure out which one was the best candidate, which leads me to Corey, by the way, if you'd like to stop by on Thursday night, we are going to do the voice of college football awards show. That just, that just struck. Right. Does that mean we're going to be handing awards out to all your panelists or is that (laughs) going to be handing awards out to players? Yes, you, you can you can find out if you are going to be named the most college football analyst of the year. Most yes. hated, Mark. <laughs> most hated by the fans. You're going to be up against, I don't know, Steve Hellwagon and Matt <laughs> Zemek or whomever. Yes. No, I, I've done this in the past and I find it interesting to f- 
the, some of the players respond to this. I've posted on Twitter my conference offensive and play and defensive players of the year in each conference. And then I'll tag the player and many of them respond in some fashion. There you go. Does it it create some good publicity? Yeah, at times it does. Tell you what, you remember my, my idea was, and I'm not going to say it here on the air, but you remember what my idea was last year about this time. Maybe a little earlier in the calendar year about the voice of college football, and I know you made a you made some efforts, some outreach, but I don't know that it got if it just fizzled out or what. But uh, yeah, I return to that idea, Mark. It's a good one. <laughs> You've had some other ones that I instantly <laughs> scoffed at, but well, one of them was, was one of them one. was F, one of them was FCS at the voice of college football. And by the way, speaking of FCS, how about uh, Ents going to USC as a linebacker. Yes. See, that would be a huge video if you had an FCS channel, but it's, I'm sure it's a big story for USC. And we do oh, have a I, USC channel. You do. And I, I applaud you for that. But here's the deal you know what I think is interesting? Uh, it's funny. Mike says a word for the chat. You can give out awards for people in the chat. What I think is interesting is what North Dakota State does now at the head coaching position. So they've got their OC who's I can't remember the kid's name. Uh, he's a young guy. I said kid. He's a guy. He's a man, but he's a younger guy. Um, he's been there, what, five or six years? Anyways, don't remember his name. Tyler Slough or Slough or something like that. There's, I guess, rumors that he might be in the running for the head coaching position. Tim Polisek was a guy that I read today. Could potentially be in the head coaching discussion. Remember, Tim was the OC under, was it, um, who was the head coach at North Dakota State before? Man, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Kansas State guy, wasn't it? Chris Kleiman. Uh, Kleiman, thank you. And Polisek was the OC then, moved to Iowa as an O-line coach, has been out at Wyoming as the OC. Craig Bowl has recently announced that he's retiring uh, from being a head coach. So the head coaching position is open at Wyoming. It's open at North Dakota State. People had talked about Tim Polisek potentially being a candidate for the Iowa OC job. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, the offensive line didn't look great when he was here. Now, I think it was probably better than it has been the last few years without him. I'll admit that. And how much of that is Chris Doyle being gone? How much of that is per- just personnel and things happening? How much of that was the departure of Tim Paul's? Like, I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what all those schools do. And if someone else gets that head coaching job at, at North Dakota State, could the North Dakota State OC be a candidate for the Iowa job? Um, the research that I had done this morning just – Briefly, um, I don't believe that guy has any experience coaching quarterbacks. So if they were to hire, if Iowa was to pursue him, it would probably be either as a tight ends coach or a running backs coach. So then what do you do with Abdul Hodge? Liddell Betts has done a great job with running backs. You know, you can only have so many people on your roster, so you'd probably have to move uh, Abdul Hodge somewhere. Where do you move him? Does Jane Neiman retire? Maybe a dual moves to a position on defense. I don't know. We're just speculating at this point. But those are a couple of jobs that, you know, Iowa's had connections. They've hired from North Dakota State in the past. Have I asked you your wish list for offensive coordinator? No, Brad Heinrichs asked me, and I was kind of flabbergasted by the I, I, I hadn't been answered asked the question, and I don't have well, you're asking me wish list. He asked me who am I getting behind? And I said, I don't have anybody that I'm getting behind. And he was kind of surprised by that. So my suggestion to you for great content that people would want to hear. So you should give us some thought and produce a video with your top three candidates, five candidates, whatever the case might be. Yeah, I did that when the QB job was open and gave some listed some guys. I don't know who I'd put on the top right now. I've thrown out some names. Andy Ludwig is a name that Tom Caker of HawkeyeReport.com said on, on, on our show that Iowa had contacted. So he's a guy that's got to be in the mix. I know Paul Christ is a name that's going to be thrown out there. Um, Tim Balasek is a name that's going to be thrown out there. I mentioned the guy from Akron, uh, J- uh, Moorhead, right? Uh, previous uh, OC at Penn State. He was the head coach at uh, Mississippi State when Iowa played him a few years back, I think. And then you have um, trying to think of the other guy that was on my mind that uh, – 
may have written it down. Oh, the the uh, guy that just got fired from Carolina uh, in the NFL. What's his name? Uh, Frank Reich. Oh. He's a former quarterbacks coach, and I, you know I don't know if you don't think he's got experience coaching at the college level, but he's. I mean, there's a, a guy who obviously has experience coaching offense at a very high level. They, didn't, you know, Carolina didn't look good this year. That's why he got fired. But he would be an op- option. One thing Brad did say that should encourage fans, and you decide how much stock you want to take into Brad Heinrich's words. But what Brad said on this show was that Kirk is. But he believes that Kirk will hire someone externally. That's not necessarily going out on a limb. Who else are you going to hire? Uh, John Budmire? I mean, like, there's nobody else that's qualified at this point. I don't think Liddell Betts is ready to be an OC. And the other thing he made a point of saying is uh, he has reason to believe that Kirk is calling anybody and everybody and is, is having a very open mind to getting the best guy available. And he kind of fell back on, well, you got to keep in mind that Kirk has to get permission to spend, you know, $1.52 million on a top tier OC. They've been, you know, paying Brian $860,000 a year. But as I said, my response to Brad, I'm not, you know, U of I athletic department accountant, but I can't imagine that the money's not there with what the new TV contract is bringing in. I think if you're the president and you don't approve that, how foolish is that? Like the money's there. Go spend, go throw. And I know people don't like throwing the name Ryan Grubb out there because it's probably a pipe dream, but go throw two million at Ryan Grubb and see what he says. Maybe he wants to be closer to home. Maybe he's got an old, maybe he's got a family member who's older. He wants to be closer to him. You don't know. So um, whoever you pursue, I hope that what Brad said is absolutely true and plays out as, as such. Uh, Paul Christ is a name that I know Erica said in the chat. She didn't like that name. She thinks it's getting tossed around too much. There are worse options, I would say that, but I also think there are probably better options out there, but it just comes down to what Kirk Ferentz is willing to do and, and what the university is willing to pay. wonder how many former NFL head coaches have dropped to a coordinator level in college because that would be Frank Reich. Well, I mean, what else is he? I mean, he's he was, I don't know what he what his coaching record at Carolina was. I could tell you he was the O.C., with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl a few years ago. And that was a year where they had to rely on exceptional quarterback depth. Because remember, uh, Carson Wentz went down, no pun intended, and uh, Nick Foles came in. And didn't he lead him to a, a Super Bowl ring? Yes. And so I would think that Frank Reich had something to do with that. You're right. Maybe maybe Iowa couldn't afford him. I wonder what he was getting paid. Do we even know what guys are getting paid at the... Uh, as coordinators? No, just head coaches in the NFL. Head coaches in the NFL. They've got to be in the 10 to $12 million range. So it looks like, uh, let's see, 5 to $10 million. This is what oh. sports, yeah. this is just an estimate, but this is what, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything official out there. But uh, I guess the point is, um, yeah, he'd be taking a pay cut, but he just got fired. <laughs> so beggars can't be choosers. Uh you know, Matt Rule went from wasn't he wasn't he at Carolina too? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Carolina is just a dumpster fire for coaches. Yeah, they can't apparently. make a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, do you recall be- what uh, Frank Reich's probably biggest claim to fame is? Winning a Super Bowl with the Eagles, wasn't it? Well, I think he's more known for this, but yeah, that's certainly a great accomplishment. Uh, he engineered the greatest comeback in the history of the NFL playoffs. 92, 93. I remember reading that when I was researching. Um, I don't remember that. Obviously. I wasn't alive then, but I, I read that. I think Wikipedia or wherever it was when I first looked him up. Yes. I remember how it big, well. How big was that comeback down 35, three in the third quarter playing for the injured <laughs> Jim Kelly. Wow. That's yes. something. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think about him? He's 60. Oh, my goodness. I think that would be a tremendous hire. <laughs> that would be a okay. great hire. He's 62 years old. Um, Kirk's got uh, NFL connections. Here's another name that you could toss out there, and that's Jason Garrett. You know, is he like, I know he was a finalist for the Stanford job a, a year or two ago. There was rumors that he was a finalist for the Duke job at one point. 
he could probably get a head coaching job. Oh, he almost certainly could get a head coaching job at the G5 level. I don't know if a P5 would hire him at this point, but I'd certainly wouldn't mind taking a look at him as as an OC at Iowa. You know, assuming Kirk's willing to let those guys operate, mm-hmm. I would love that. I'd love a former NFL head coach being as long as they're not just old and tired. Like Frank Reich is sixty two years old. I don't want a guy here who's kind of coming here on his last leg, like Greg Davis kind of did. I think Ken O'Keefe toward the end was kind of he he to me Ken and I, other people noticed the same thing. Ken kind of looked like. Maybe he'd lost a little bit of passion for the sport. Now, maybe he'd argue that. Maybe that'd be unfair of me to say. That is unfair of me to say. But, you know, if you're going to hire an older guy, which there's nothing wrong with that, especially at the coordinator position, especially since Kirk, you know, is going to be gone here in a few years. If you're going to hire an older guy, it better be someone who still has spunk and, and, you know, drive to keep coaching. And I don't know that Frank Reich at 62 years old wants to get into the college (laughs) <laughs> the college uh, atmosphere and portal and NIL and all that stuff. Erica, thank you so much for the contribution. Corey, what about a Higganized interview? Maybe could be posted during the off season. He's, um, Erica's talking about Jay Higgins' father, Roy, and um, I have never had a conversation with Roy. Uh, I don't know Roy. I know he's pretty prominent on social media. And I'd uh, I'd be happy to get Roy on. Uh, yeah, that'd probably be more of a an off season thing. We'll see what Jay does. If Jay comes back, it'd be even more uh, practical. What is Higganized? Some kind of that's his that's his social media handle. Okay, and he's, I just he's, assumed she was talking about Jay Higgins when she said that. Yeah, yeah, it's his dad. So, and he's known for even before Jay was. I don't know what it is with Roy. He's obviously a very positive guy, but even before Jay got the starting job, he was known for always posting on social media, Hawk, Hawk, Hawk. Like no one else says Hawk, 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 except him. So that's why most people, you're not familiar with Jay Higgins probably would have missed it. But when I interviewed Jay at the end of um, Iowa media day last fall, I said, can I get a Hawk, Hawk, Hawk? And he smiled and, 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 and he's, he gave me a hawk, hawk, hawk. So anyways, that's kind of what, what Roy is known for. Very positive guy. I know he's done other interviews, so I'd be I'd be uh, happy to get him on. Now, see, this is, this is what's great about what you do compared to the way I approach things and need to approach things with all the teams involved. I have no idea who anybody's fathers are, what their social media handles are, what they do on social media, nor do I care. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, Mark. Um, I know there are some parents of some players that watch this show, so I should make you at least happy. They know who you are, Mark. That's good. Well, that's, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I'm saying that, uh, to, to say that, uh, you do a great job. Oh, well, I, I that's what people that. care about people that are Iowa through and through, um, uh, not just football, all the sports. Caitlin Clark, you introduced me to Caitlin Clark, not personally, but <laughs> I've never even met Caitlin Clark personally. That's how little I'm connected to Caitlin Clark. She's she's a she just signed a deal with uh, Gatorade this morning. She's what did I see? She signed like a multi-year contract. So in other words, it stretches. She's on pace to make so much money. Even if she goes to the WNBA, these NIL deals are going to stick with her. So. So you missed a comment that I made after one of your after one of the Iowa women's basketball games. This might have been three weeks ago, something like that. And I saw that you were on. I jumped in the chat, listened for a couple minutes, and uh, I made a couple remark. I made one remark in the chat, and and you apparently missed it. I, oh, okay. I made a little bit of a snide remark. <laughs> it was kind, Maybe. but it was a bit of a snide remark. Is it possible I just ignored it? You might have ignored it. It wasn't mean <laughs> in any way. You were you were talking about a certain player, something about having double digits and and something, and then I made some kind of comment. Yeah, I'm surprised that she didn't reach double digits and points and rebounds tonight, or whatever I said. I don't remember. <laughs> I probably ignored it because I knew it was snide. <laughs> When is the Hawkeyes' uh, next uh, men's and women's games? Good question. The men and the women play a doubleheader down in Des Moines, actually, this uh, Saturday. I wish they'd play better teams, but it, it's Wells Fargo Arena, which is 
I think the biggest arena in the state of Iowa. Um, that's where the NBA G League affiliate here in Iowa plays, the Iowa Wolves. So they'll be there for a doubleheader. I think the men play Florida AM, and m the women play Cleveland State. Thankfully, uh, organizers were smart. They scheduled the women second. Because right now, the women are more popular than the men. That, that's They just are. And the men, they've gotten blown out three straight games now. And we'll see if Fran can figure it out. Um, they're having a down year, and some people expected that. I kind of expected it, but people are not happy. The women are rolling. They're top five in the country. One loss, and they avenged that loss to Kansas State like a week after they lost to them. So, uh, I mean, it'll be fun down there. I don't know that I'll make it down, but it's about 30 minutes. Des Moines about 30 minutes from Ames. And uh, this is kind of a slow week because you have finals, and then next week you have a uh, you know on Saturday you have a game, and then you have like I think you've only got th- the men have three games left in December, the women have two. I'm sorry, w- let me rephrase that. Men have three games left in December, then they have their first or their third non uh, excuse me third conference game first week of January. The women have two non conference games and then one conference game at the tail end of December. So it's a very very light schedule. The rest of the way, which is fine. I'm fine with that because this is the time of year where it's bowl season and, you know, you got National Signing Day and just all this. The transfer portal is going crazy. So I kind of needed to pull back on live streaming for a little while. The Cleveland State Vikings, who en route to the 1986 Sweet 16, beat uh, Bobby Knight in Indiana with Mouse McFadden at the controls. That's my Cleveland State basketball knowledge in a nutshell. You did know Bobby Knight passed away, right? Yeah, I did see that. So you're not totally disconnected from the sport. No, I'm not. I, I did see that and um, watched Bobby Knight coach a lot of basketball. D. Rulofsen is making this comment, which you'll need to interpret for me. OC until Kirk exits and then promote him. In other words, hire somebody that can be the head coach in waiting. So, oh, oh. you know, perfect, perfect example of that would be, could you get right? If, if Kirk was telling, if he, Kirk told Ryan Grubb, hey, here's my plan. I'm going to be here for two to three more years tops. Come here, make the offense good, and then you're the head coach. I mean, I don't know that Kirk would have the power to say that. I don't know the administration would give him that guarantee, but that might be the only way you pull someone like Ryan Grubb away. Ryan Grubb is going to have opportunities, whether it's this year or next year, to be a head coach at Power 5 program. Now, you know, Iowa's a pretty good job, and depending on what you can offer, Big Ten school, it's been a, the epitome of stable. I don't think it's crazy to think you could get someone like that if you could put a plan like that in place. I don't think that will happen, but that is, uh, I understand that notion that Iowa needs to hire a younger guy who could be in line for the head coaching job, especially if they lose Phil Parker along with Kirk. Before we sign off tonight, I'd like to get the response of Hawkeye Nation to something that I showed you earlier today. I know nothing about these people, who they are, or their... uh, Let me take it off of our... (laughs) I don't want to show our, our DM... (laughs) there we go this silence is going to be be great on the podcast later oh the podcast podcast doesn't make us money once it does we'll worry about those things okay (laughs) the sickos committee these people have like 125,000 twitter followers And I read through some of the comments in response to this poll. They took this poll and got thousands and thousands of responses. And what this means, I don't know. I don't even know what it means exactly. I I think it's making fun of these teams to a certain extent. Yeah, I don't really know what it means either. But Um, it doesn't make total sense because Michigan's 16, Iowa's number one. They're a 10 and three football team. So it doesn't really make sense. This is probably dumb of me to not know. I've seen that name. Obviously, they're they're a branded thing that's popular, a social media platform, the Sickos Committee. But I, I really don't know what it means either. But the, I, I said to you in response, I said, well, it looks like Iowa got three of the top four spots because <laughs> you have Iowa, you have Brian, and then you have the West, the Big Ten West. So, I, I frankly, I don't know. You'd be surprised at my level of ignorance as it relates to a lot of these. Like, you had your guy Big Game Big team boomer or big game boomer on. Why is he my guy? 
Is he your guy? Isn't, isn't I had he... him on a couple of times. Okay. Uh, is he still he's still doing his stuff? I think oh, I blocked him. He's I think I blocked him, Mark. Blowing it up. You blocked yeah. him. Yeah, I get tired of that stuff. It's just random. Somebody, I mean, no offense to big. I don't know the guy, but uh, uh, these are just random people throwing stuff out there. I oh, just, a lot of it's silly. It's yeah. Just, I mean, there's so many different college football platforms and social media handles. That's like, which one's legit? Which ones? I mean, there's obviously a niche that you can hit, and like the sickos profile has has account has hit one. Yeah, and I'm giving him more publicity. Yep. Lemansky, thank you for the five spot. Corey, MV podcaster. Oh, got it. MVP podcaster. Yes. There you go. Thank you, Lemansky. Appreciate that. That's why we have him on. All right, folks. Appreciate you being here. Bring a friend or two or 50 with you next week as we set up National Signing Day next Tuesday here at the Voice of College Football, Iowa. You may have noticed on the Lower ticker, we've got a full lineup tonight. Nebraska at 7, the biggest 12 at 7.30, Michigan at 8, Oregon at 10.15. Wow. Quite a lineup of the Voice of College Football. Meanwhile, men's basketball, women's basketball, Iowa football, of course, at uh, from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Corey, as always, appreciate it. Thank you, sir.